Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Scooby Dudes. Very, very special episode because I'm here, Evan, to introduce my new co-host. Ifty Sam. Hey everybody. Uh, that's right, Luke, no longer a part of this podcast. Nope. Um, today it's just me and Evan moving forward. We will be taking over the Scooby Dudes podcast. Um, very excited to join in on this project. I feel like this was kind of my project from the start, so really glad to be taking ownership of this again. Hey, Sam. And if you if you really if you really think about it, a podcast with two co-hosts is kind of like a marriage. <laughs> hey, it, Sam. It, in some ways, it's more than a marriage. Hey, sorry, Evan. One, hey, one second. Luke, Luke, I'm, where's I'm my, busy. Where's my clean underwear? <laughs> I I only have dirty, dirty underwear. Yeah, you need to do laundry more often. Okay, Evan's not texting me back. Okay, these are two very different problems. They're a problem. You all, they're your, I need your help with these problems. No, deal with one problem at a time, remember, like we talked uh, about. Is that, is that Luke? Is he on the other side of a cardboard <laughs> tube? <laughs> There's holes in the cardboard too, but I don't know if you can hear me super well. It's leaking. I'm gonna come out to check out the cardboard no, tube. I no, think there's a stay leak. There. It's no, okay. no, no, I'm here. I'm here. Wait. Hey. Pretend I'm not here. Pretend I'm not here. No, wait. Hey, wait. Hang on. What's this? What do you just minimize on the on the screen? Um, nothing. Nothing. Don't worry about it. It says it says Hangouts video call hyphen Google Chrome. I, that's a, a lot that, on my tab. That's what seeing. it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna talk about all the. Uh, <laughs> all the uh, adultery sites that I'm seeing here on the uh, taskbar. <laughs> Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison, thank you. Hey, Evan, hang on. Wait, what's that? <laughs> hey, I heard, I, could, I heard a voice from that, and it wasn't one of the men you're cheating on me I, with. I can't resist a specific poll. <laughs> hang on, you're talking to Evan. Evan, why are, why are you hitting me back? What, what is this? What are you guys doing here? This isn't wholesome we're, Ashley we're... Madison fun. <laughs> we're the Scooby Dudes. Yeah, yeah, we're the Scooby Dudes, Evan. But what are what are you this? <laughs> what are you doing with? Uh, and why do you guys have Audacity open? It's it's recording. I really need you to spell it out for me. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on here. Um. So I started doing the Scooby Doo podcast. Um. Oh, the Scooby Doo! Another Scooby Doo podcast, podcast, and it's called the Scooby Doo podcast. Yes, it's cool. It's not called the Scooby Doo. Again, podcast. I, I, I don't feel hurt at all. I, no. I've been wronged in no way so far. Yeah, this is a completely separate project mm-hmm. with no connection or bearing on our other. Project. Okay, because I see that Ifty Sam has saved her Audacity file already as Scooby Doo's rebooted <laughs> without the chaff. Um, <laughs> And she's saved it in uh, my old Scooby Doo's folder. You're on my computer, by the way. Mm-hmm. It really feels like I I feel bad even saying this, but you guys are replacing me in the Scooby Doo's, or you're replacing me, Ifty Sam. No. No. <laughs> no. I don't, Evan. You know, you you used to tell me a podcast is a lot like a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me that, and this feels like I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Can you go make me some pancakes? Go do pancakes for me. My underwear is too dirty for me. I want to, but I need your help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Maybe, maybe instead of me making you pancakes or you cleaning my dirty, dirty underwear, we can together, both of us, maybe do something with Evan um, and have kind of a... <laughs> A menage a three or something. 
<laughs> um, with Scooby Doo. I mean, like, what do you think? Can we yeah. can we do some? Could, is there still room for me and Scooby Dudes? I think one final episode with you, me, and, and Evan. And then you promise you'll call it off, and you won't take the podcast on the dark web where I can't we'll find never it. Never do this again. Definitely, absolutely. I really like that you've set a precedent for pancakes being what one beleaguered <laughs> spouse <laughs> makes the other. <laughs> I come home from a long day of work, and I just want some pancakes. <laughs> you never make me pancakes anymore. What is that? Is that syrup on your tie? <laughs> You've had a lot of early mornings at the office. <laughs> All right, That's very good, actually. That's a very uh... good idea. Oh, finally. <clears throat> but... I, I don't know, what do you think, Evan? It's, it really, or I guess it comes down to you, the two people who still have ownership of the Scooby Dudes. I think we can maybe make room this one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we can improvise a, a, an episode of Scooby Doo um, that seems like it's been carefully scripted ahead of time um, by seasoned writers. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> a stretch of silence like that used to mean resounding affirmation and confirmation. Now I don't know that I'm on the outside of it. So just to clarify for our listeners. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, let's set this up a little more clearly. This is sort of our official, unofficial last episode of Scooby Dudes ever. And it is very special for more reasons than just the fact that we have a special third uh, party, a guest in, yes. in Luke. <laughs> Hey! I was about to say the uh, the guest has only been on the podcast one time before, but I see in the spreadsheet you have open, you've listed me as a never-before-appeared guest. I've never been on the show before. I also wrote in the margin, it says, really downplay this, really not important. Really downplay this. <laughs> it says, get his name wrong. Luke Dorfee. <laughs> um, but uh, I still, I can't resist the... Uh, the poll of being welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Evan, Ipti, Sam. It's a pleasure and an honor. Um, have me on the very final episode of the Scooby Dudes, after which you will not continue doing the, the podcast without me. And this is a special episode episode. So um, what we've done is, I, I, I believe we did about this in the past, but it's, you know, our schedule has been so erratic lately. Uh, Luke and I have actually taken pains to write a full length Probably fuller length, a little longer maybe than the average. A little, little padding, a little room for cut trimming if you need to. It's, it's not, not as lean as it, it, but there's room. Uh, this is a Scooby Doo screenplay that uh, we have titled "Scoob Dog in the City." I love it. I love the title, by the way. And and really, the I have to say, the lion's share of the writing credits go to Evan on this one. So uh, you know, if you love it. Again, it's a shared project that Evan put a little bit more work into than I did. If you hated it, this is really Evan's baby, his uh, his child that he uh, he brought to conception immaculately. No, I, li- I like this. Uh, I did the lion's share of the writing. We could say that Luke did like the mouse's share of the writing. <laughs> I'd say, I did the hyena's share. After the lion had, uh, had uh, done the killing, I-, I came over and I scavenged for scraps. Or isn't it the other way around now? Don't I, don't I sound ignorant? I think it's the other way around, that like lions are actually tend to be opportunistic scavengers. Yeah, I think that is true. Well, fun fact, we're educating you guys a little bit. You're welcome. 
And Ipti Sam did none of the writing. I'm just going to call that out right now, Ipti Sam. You didn't lift a finger on the writing of this because you didn't know until two days ago I that you were getting roped into narrating quickly this. Quickly scrolled through the Google Doc on my phone last night. Oh, well, that's what it was. I told <laughs> Evan you read it in, your, in its entirety. So. <laughs> nope, not quite. Here we go. I actually like the fact that... I don't know that... how this ends. That's great because I wrote it this morning. <laughs> yes, this is perfect. And I read it this morning. And we will perform it this morning. <laughs> so this is, I think, really, really fun. I'm really excited to do this. This is essentially a live table read. Yeah, it really is. Um, a stripped down, uh, imagine it, like, cl close your eyes and picture this episode playing out. Episode of Scooby-Doo, Scoob Dog in the City. And, uh... uh I was just gonna say that we've divvied up the roles. Exactly. We should call out the cast of characters, the credits for this episode. Of course, we have Ipti Sam offering the narrator narration for the episode. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I love that you're using the smallest part of your hands. The smallest part of it. So hand. I get the littlest applause. You don't know about Evan, but Evan considers that part of his hand dirty. <laughs> he uses that part of his hand for all the menial tasks he wouldn't use a good finger for. Just like the, the tip of his pinky. <laughs> um, for the other cast of characters, I'll trade it back and forth. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you if you introduce me. As Scooby Dooby Doo, we have Evan Young. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, as as Fred Jones himself, we have Luke Doty. As um, Velma Dinkley herself, I fell fell in this pattern. I hate it. <laughs> as as Velma dunk on you, Dinkley. We have Evan Young, Jinkies. <laughs> uh, and as Daphne Blake, we have across from me. Luke Doty. My bubble fortune. Uh, and that's it. That's that's all the characters, right? That's all the characters. I think we also have, as Shaggy, Norville Rogers, Evan, and... Luke! <laughs> oh, was that... Oh, that was Shaggy's <laughs> laugh. I decided to go for Shaggy's <laughs> laugh. I don't know. <laughs> I watched so many interviews with Casey Kasem. <laughs> I should have done this Matthew Lillard did and, and drive around shouting ahead of this. <laughs> Okay, and and oh, you, Evan, man. what's your shaggy sound effect? Um, soinks. Okay, that was better. That's Objectively better. Right. Fine. It's, I mean, it's the, it's the easy. It's a go-to. I, I want. I I fool that I am. I went for something more obscure. And as brand new characters, never before seen in Scooby Doo, we have um, Sarah. Uh, that's me. That's my Sarah voice. <laughs> that's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, we don't know differently. <laughs> And this Tom, we have me, Tom. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't know until just now. This is how Tom sounds. Tom is a Tom is a magical woodland sprite. <laughs> he is indeed, which doesn't track with how he appears in the episode, but there it is. <laughs> Mr. Tomness, he went by. Uh, Luke will also be voicing uh, a Well, I actually like this reveal. Or right, well, Luke will also be voicing. Uh, the uh, the character of the landlord. Oh, thank you. The character of the landlord, who I will be portraying as such. The character Daniel Craig? of the landlord. <laughs> Sorry, say again. Neil Craig? Daniel Craig. <laughs> Daniel Craig. Oh, I do declare these knives are out. <laughs> uh, and as... Uh, 
the one and the only Michael Michelle. we have, or Michelle, as <laughs> the narrator decides. So as Michelle, we have Evan Young. Hey. <laughs> All right. I like it. I, I don't... <laughs> Uh, and then finally, rounding out this uh, this additional cast of characters, uh, we have Paige. Hey, that's me. You know it. Oof. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and we already went over who's doing all the narration. Thankfully, like, a, a real godsend, actually. Yes. And uh, I also want to note, as as if there's anything supernatural or, or villainous around here, Evan and I will be sure to trade back and forth so that there is some mystery, perhaps, around who, who that that person might ultimately be. All right, I'm ready. That's the cast. Those are the characters. You're ready, Evan? Well, guess what? I'm willing. <laughs> oh, wow. You don't, she didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't like that. Wow, Ipti Sam coming out strong against consent. Okay, no. fair enough. Wow, your first episode of the Scooby Dudes is the host. I never messed it up that bad. All right, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Luke edits the episode down so it's only that segment. <laughs> that, that, is, that is the episode. <laughs> All right. Um, and here, I'll put in some kind of chop or some... Scooby-Doo, Dog in the City, Pilot. Act 1. Exterior. Cold open. Apartment rooftop. Golden hour. Sarah, an adorable young woman, emerges from the rooftop doorway. She wears a red summer dress with a shawl loosely draped around her shoulders. Music from a party somewhere below streams up through the open door. Sarah crosses the rooftop to watch the sun as it begins to set. Silhouetted against the sunset, she is the beauteous object of the camera's male gaze. Thank you, Luke. <laughs> from the rooftop doorway, Tom, a conventionally attractive yet approachable white man, stumbles affably onto the roof picking confetti from his white button-up with rolled cuffs. He approaches Sarah, reaches out, and rests a friendly, but maybe more than friends, hand on her shoulder. Sarah clasps her hand over his without turning around. Together, they gaze at the setting sun. Behind Tom, a spectral hand reaches out and rests on his shoulder. Tom clasps the hand without turning around. We pan back to see a ghost, leathery pale skin pulled back at the lips, Similarly hued suit and eyes that glow a ghastly green, also taking part in the tender moment. On the ghost's shoulder, another reassuring hand appears. It's Sarah's hand. The camera pulls back to show that it's Sarah, Tom, and the ghost are forming a triangle of shoulder touches. Sam and uh, sorry, Sarah and Tom recoil in shock. The ghost recoils in spook. Tom. What did I sound like? I'm in love with my best friend. No, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I'm in love with my best friend. <laughs> one more time, one more time, last trial. <laughs> I'm in love with my best friend. I tell women I'm looking for commitment, but the best they can hope for is that we date for half a season. Take two, give me one more take. I swear this is the last one. It's my only shot of the character. <laughs> I'm in love with my best friend. I tell women I'm looking for commitment, but the best they can hope for is that we date for half a season. The ghost looks at Tom quizzically. Sarah, as an aside to the ghost... Like, fall or spring. Before I leave them to find someone else's time to waste. I eat cat food. I tried my kitty's meow mix just one time and I can't stop. It's delicious. Ghost. <laughs> Opening credits, the classic Scooby-Doo Where Are You theme plays, but with, like, trap elements or something. 
Wide shot, the mystery machine on a hill, full moon in the sky, down the road, far below, awaits a spooky, isolated manor. As the van approaches, lights blink to life in the darkness surrounding the building. All around the van are the swell of streetlights, lit windows, zooming headlights, and above them all, the sun rising over the sleepy city of Coolstropolis. As the mystery machine pulls up to the curb, the creepy manor is revealed to be a creepy apartment building. The gang excitedly disembark, with a street sweeper shuffling the mystery machine off-screen behind them. As the following scene progresses, the passage of time throughout a single day is shown with the sun growing darker. Scoobertdo, a large brown Great Dane with dark brown spots, and Norville Shaggy Rogers, 27, a lanky man with a goatee, long uncombed hair, and loose-fitting clothing, run into a restaurant for a split second before racing back into another, arms laden with food. Velma, 25, bookish, bespectacled, and dressed like a librarian who gets cold easily, enters a university building and immediately begins lecturing at a blackboard to a room full of grizzled, tenured professors. Daphne Blake, 26, a vivacious redhead who doesn't know the meaning of the word, isn't... (laughs) (laughs) Nice, Evan. (laughs) Hey, hey. Okay. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Is implored by a street-involved man begging for alms, and she dumps a shopping bag full of designer clothing into his hands. A visual gag to change from episode to episode. Fred Jones, 27, your classically handsome all-American man, sees a ghoul behind every corner, only for them to be revealed to be nothing. A werewolf is a very hairy man, Frankenstein's monster is a bodybuilder. Through, uh, though the last is a real ghost, looking very much like a person under a white sheet with holes cut into it that chases him and his friends. Now evening, the gang and their pursuer end up tumbling onto a couch abandoned on the curb with the real ghost reaching out to click off a discarded standing lamp. Introduce the mystery machine. A root. Oh, oh, sorry, stop. Sorry. Um, so you see, th- that indicates that it's a new scene. So if you could just say, like, scene one. Oh yeah, so when there's the one over here, that's a a scene. So you want me to say scene one, introducing the mystery machine? Interior. Oh, interior, okay. (laughs) Introducing. (laughs) Introducing. (laughs) The mystery machine. Okay. Yeah. Scene one, interior, the mystery machine, a roomy VW van, clearly driving down the same road shown in the opening credits. We see Fred sitting behind the wheel, Velma in the passenger seat, and Daphne between them. Scooby and Shaggy are lounging about in the back, and we join them in the middle of a very serious conversation about sandwich bread. Shaggy. Like, I'm telling you, buddy, Shibata is the obvious answer. Scoob. Robata? Row away. Pausing and thinking. Row row? Shaggy pulls a bag out from under a beanbag chair. Sourdough for sandwich numero uno, old buddy, old pal. Now, now about sandwiches two through seventeen. That's really good, by the way. Thank you. That's, I'm very impressed, actually. Cut to the front of the mystery machine with Shag and Scoob beginning to construct a giant dagwood sandwich in the beginning. In the background, I can read that again. Cut to the front of the mystery machine with Shag and Scoob beginning to construct a giant dagwood sandwich in the background. Daphne. In the background, beat and then take your breath, and then Daphne is the <clears> ideal. <throat> but if you could do just the Daphne again. Cut to the front of the mystery. No, I mean, just, just say Daphne. Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, babe. You're going to do something right eventually. I can feel it. <laughs> Thank you so much for including me on your first episode, guys. I, I'm such a gracious guest. Uh, if you can just drop a Daphne in the middle. Okay. 
Daphne. Really? That's how you're going to drop? No, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> all right. I can't believe it. Finally settling down after all this time. Thelma. Oh, Daphne. It hasn't been that long. You're right. It's just... Thank you. <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. I wasn't reading that or anything. <laughs> okay. You're right. It's just that sometimes it feels like we've been doing this for the past 50 years. Why did you opt for a big city anyway, Fred? I'm checking Google Maps and there's not a rundown asylum, abandoned mineshaft, or decrepit farmhouse for miles around. It's even been years since the last time a traveling circus came through this area. Honestly, I thought we all deserved a break. Oh, I'm sorry. Hit me. Sorry. Fred. Hit him. On it. Boof, 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 boof. Oh, man. If you say, would you do our fully work for this episode? <laughs> Honestly, I thought we all deserved a break. And a big city has something for absolutely everyone. And what better city than... Shaggy and Scooby peek over Daphne's shoulders, their dagwood momentarily uneaten. Cut to a digital billboard seen through the mystery machine's windshield that reads, Welcome to Coolstropolis, the most hauntedest place on Earth. Cut back to the front of the mystery machine. Scooby and Shaggy can be seen quaking in the back. Fred is trying to hide his excitement. Daphne is none too pleased, and Velma is furrowing her brow. Hauntedist isn't even a word. <laughs> Cut back to the billboard, where a tilt downward reveals population. I can't read numbers, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and this, the population is written in like digital numbers. So this is the digital narrator here. Two, thousand, uh, two million and one living. One, nine, 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 <laughs> Luke, Luke, you can just do your Microsoft sound voice for these. Uh... Population, two million and one living. Not, one million, nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand, nine hundred and ninety-nine ghosts. Scooby to Shaggy. Well, at least we outnumber the roasts. Cut back to the billboard changing to read. Population. Two million living. Two million ghosts. Cut to a shot of the mystery machine continuing toward the city of Coolstropolis, shaking wildly back and forth. Muffled screaming can be heard. <laughs> See? Also, really quick, I want to say, you say it like, Cool Stropolis. <laughs> and that's okay. Hey, that's what cool it is. Now. Oh my, man. Cool it's Welcome sad. to Cool Stropolis, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Who lives here? Oh, George Stropolopolis. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> Scene two. Exterior, the curb in front of Takamoto Palace, a fairly modern-looking apartment building. Okay, now really quick, it'd be Sam. I know Evan's built this up as a very fancy place, but this is not quite a palace. It's just a place. Because <laughs> why did you choose me? This was a terrible decision. This was the perfect decision. I, no. <laughs> I've never been more sure of a decision I've made than right this moment. So sweaty. Okay, okay. if you wouldn't mind trying that one one more time. Okay, <clears throat> you guys can't see this, but I'm wearing a sweater. And re the sweatiness, I've rolled it up like a, t like a tank top. <laughs> like a crop top, sorry. Yeah. And it's just cut off at the bottom of the camera. Okay. Okay. Scene two, exterior, the curb in front of Takamoto Place, a fairly modern looking apartment building. The mystery machine pulls up and parks in front of the apartment. 
Cut to a shot of Fred staring up at Takamoto Place through the driver's side window. He slowly rolls down the window, and as he does so, the hubbub inside the vehicle grows in volume. Daphne, Velma, Scooby, and Shaggy are all yelling simultaneously. Cut to the inside of the mystery machine, where Daphne, Velma, Scooby, and Shaggy all take turns yelling at Fred. No, Fred, you promised that we were all going to take a year to set down roots and really explore ourselves. I can't believe you would do something like this to us, let alone me. Frederick Herman Jones, are you aware that willful partial disclosure of our destination could be construed as a false declaration and is not exonerated by your constitutionally explicit Fifth Amendment rights? Like Fred, old buddy, old pal, what's it gonna take for you to turn this here van around and head to less spooky pastures? How about- Rummages around his back and pulls out a brightly colored box labeled Scooby Snacks. Three Scooby Snacks? Would you do it for three Scooby Snacks? The camera zooms in on Fred, who furrows his brow and opens his mouth as if about to respond, then pauses. He thinks to himself for a moment and raises his eyebrows and purses his lips. Well, now that you mention it, I have always... Shaggy, chewing. You drive a hard bargain. Three. Best I can do is three Scooby Snacks. Fred Crossley. Uh, no. I'm oh, sorry, let me take one more, another take of that. No. No, I'm sorry. I, I got my shaggy, little shaggy caught in my throat. Excuse me. No. All right. No. Scooby morosely. We should have frozen Rabada. Scoob lifts up the dagwood for us to see that the liquid in the dozens of fillings has soaked right through the sourdough. Daphne defeated. Uh, that's right, Scoob. I guess there's no point fighting the inevitable. Out of the van, everyone. She motions to Fred as Velma, Scooby, and Shaggy disembark. Let me see the lease, Fred. I want to know just what kind of person rents out an apartment in the hauntedest city in America. Daphne takes the held-out paper, looks down on it while exiting the mystery machine, only to pause midway. No, I know we portray this as a really crappy piece of paper, but Daphne's not looking down on it so much as looking at it. Like, she's not judging its life circumstances. It says, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I heard you say Daphne looks down on it. I was also really pumped, because I thought for a second you were going to say that she's exciting the mystery machine. <laughs> Daphne looks down on it while exciting the mystery machine. That is oddly specific, is and it works for me. scoop in the city. <clears throat> okay. Uh, you don't, don't do it I again. Can, You're okay. good. No. <laughs> Thank you. Does this say our landlord is Old Man Jenkins? Scene three. Exterior. The curb in front of Takamoto Place, a fairly modern-looking apartment building. The gang's landlord is a curmudgeonly old man who glares down at them from the front doorway through thick lenses. Jenkins Oldman. That's Jenkins Oldman to you, illiterates. Quickly. And before you say it, no relation. Uh, I don't think anyone thought you were related to... Uh, yes, yes, wine expert and American entrepreneur Mark Oldman. Again, we are not related. We could never stand wine anyway. Mumbling. Really exacerbates my sciatica. Oldman notices that Daphne is holding the lease. Ah, good. I see you had... <clears throat> to scroll down the page a little bit. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> it's okay. <laughs> ah, good. I see you've had ample time to scrutinize the lease. So you know that under no circumstances does Takamoto Place accommodate pets. Scoop stealthily creeps backward into the mystery machine's open sliding door. Jenkins' old man suddenly, loudly addressing Velma. And that means I don't want to see you trying to sneak your six cats in here, ma'am. Scoop takes 
Scoob takes advantage of the opportunity to drop back into the mystery machine and pull the door shut quickly with a click. Velma, incredulous. Incredulous. Just how old do you think I am? Velma, you don't look a day over... Uh, Scratches his head. 30? Daphne glares at and viciously elbows Fred in the gut, who yelps. Velma, icily. Thanks, Fred. How about we take a look at our units, Mr. Oldman? The mystery machine door slides open to reveal Scooby-Doo dressed in clothing that gives him the appearance of a high-class British human man. Scooby-Doo to everyone. Back to our rooms, right, man? Shaggy, whispering behind his hand. Aw, Scoob, we both know your Minnesota accent is your best. Fred silently implores the heavens for help, but when he turns his gaze down, he sees that in the hubbub, an overzealous law enforcement officer has clamped a wheel lock to the mystery machine. I'm going to scroll down. (laughs) Scene four. Interior. A standard two-bedroom apartment like you'd see in real life. Fred easily puts down 220 pounds of his and Shaggy's belongings with both hands while cradling his phone between his cheek and shoulder. Fred on the phone. You can pick it up immediately? Really? I mean, that's great. But like I said, I was really looking to get at least... Oh, you've already transferred the full payment? Well, consider it sold. Just take care of my... Fred takes his phone from his shoulder and stares down at it, seeing that the person on the other end is hung up. Shaggy and Scooby enter the apartment, carrying a large rectangular box between them. Scooby holding up his end with a rope that he clutches in his teeth, Oldman in tow. Jenkins Oldman squinting at Scooby-Doo. You know, I've never seen anyone move in quite like that before. Scooby putting down the box with Shaggy and flopping his paws back and forth like limp human hands. Where's my arthritis? Shaggy, standing behind Oldman Jenkins, frantically mimics wearing a top hat and daintily sipping tea. Uh, right, good ran. Fred, standing at the window, looks down at the man who opens a mystery machine and steps behind the wheel. He flips down the sun visor, finds the keys, and starts the engine. Fred smiles wistfully to himself, perhaps thinking of the good time spent with the van. His expression morphs to horror as the vehicle pulls away with the wheel lock still in place, loudly and violently clunking away. Cut back to Oldman Jenkins, squinting at the steadily growing wall of cardboard. So all these boxes are full of fridges. How much food could you possibly eat? Shaggy and Scooby make eye contact and begin giggling, which morphs into chuckling, then laughter, before eventually they are both fully guffawing, clutching their sides and pointing mockily at Jenkins Oldman. Shaggy... Shaggy? (laughs) (laughs) Shaggy wipes tears from his eyes. Aw, man. Like, these fridges aren't for food. They're for pristine... These are... These are pristine collector's items. Remedy edition missionary. Rop of the Rhine. Shaggy motioning to the kitchen. That one over there should be just fine for us. I mean, can you imagine placing even a single olive in the... Opening the box. Whirlpool Narnia? The angle shifts so that we can only see Scooby, Shaggy, and Jenkins Oldman's faces as they gaze upon the kitchen appliance, which glows like the briefcase in a movie everyone pretends to have seen before. Or the Whirlpool Rardis. As it's rocketed across the rond. Shaggy, excitedly. Also known as the Whirlpool Mark Z. Danielewski's fridge of leaves in certain circles. This isn't just a fridge, man. This isn't just a fridge. Clearly uncomfortable with the frenzied look in Shaggy's eyes, Oldman backs away slowly. Scene 5. Introducing... <laughs> <laughs> Introducing a standard two-bedroom apartment in the other corner. <laughs> <laughs> Scene 5. Interior, standard two-bedroom apartment like one you see on TV. 
Velma enters the apartment, gawking, in awe at the size of the place, an absolute unit. Daphne strides in, seemingly content with its staggering dimensions. Both are holding a purse and a few small small boxes each. Following in after them is a young man, late teens, shabbily dressed, bent over backward under the sheer weight of their belongings. Young man, gasping for breath. (sighs) Where do you want all this? Oh, that's all mine. You can set it over there on that side of the living room. The other side of the living room is already very full, stacked almost to the ceiling with handcrafted Portuguese furniture, fine French paintings, and South Korean beauty products. The young man does as directed. Thank you so much for all of your help, by the way. It would have been nice of our friends to lend us a hand, but they had their fridges to move. Is there a lot more left? Velma, still gawking, staring quietly and trailing off. I suppose that would depend on your definition of a lot, as the term is subjective and varies. The young man heads down for another load, leaving the two alone. Wasn't it so nice of him to help us with our things? Velma, audibly gulping. (laughs) Uh, Daphne, how much did you say the rent was for this unit again? Velma, you know I don't like talking about money. Putting down her boxes... Daphne saunters into the kitchen and pulls a pen and a piece of paper out of her purse. She writes down a figure, (laughs) turns it over, and slides it across the counter to Velma. Velma tentatively reaches out to pick it up, slowly flipping it up towards herself. Velma strangled unintelligible noises. (coughs) The young man returns, interrupting any impending conversation, and Daphne once again directs him to her side of the room. Before he can depart again, she stops him. Uh, before you head back down, is there any way we can repay you? Uh... Daphne looks over at Velma, who tries to choke out a response to no avail. <clears throat> Michelle gasps. <gasps> it's Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Shaky release of breath. And no, you don't have to <clears throat> repay me just... <gasps> Heed my warning, which... Growing... Uh, growing fainter. I'll tell you when I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I just have one last load in the elevator. Be back in a... <clears throat> in a sec. Vi- Velma finally finding her voice. Daphne, I really am looking forward to living with you. But can we maybe discuss this number? Because I've calculated out my living expenses in ant- anticipation of this move. And there may have been a discrepancy between the number of digits I originally believed this to be and... Michael returns faster than expected with a much smaller load in his arms. He begins unburdening himself on the same side of the living room, only for Velma to stop him. Oh, sorry. Those are mine. Michael puts the final remaining items down in a pile that looks pitiful next to the others across the room. Finally done, he turns to the two women. Michael, catching his breath and pointing shakily at them. You're all in danger. He stares up at the ceiling and lets out a long sigh. This place is <clears throat> haunted. Michael drops his hands to his knees and stands bent over at the waist, the picture of exhaustion. Daphne, turning to Velma brightly. We're going to have the most amazing time living together. Just look how much room you have for all your things. Scene 6. Interior, the hallway that bridges the space between Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby and Daphne and Velma's respective apartments. Fred, stumbling out of his door and pinching the bridge of his nose. Uh, I think I can understand why someone would make a fridge door that looks like a front door, but why put them so close to each other? Daphne and Velma exit their own apartment with Michael right behind them. Michael, imploringly. 
I'm being serious. You're all in grave danger. Velma, skeptically. Don't you think utilizing puns, the lowest form of humor, might hinder the severity of your message a little? Michael, louder. Please listen, there really is a ghost! Scooby and Shaggy peek out from behind Fred, who is instantly perked up at the word. Ghost Fred? In the, in the sanctity of our home? Is this like, absolutely, <laughs> is like, absolutely nothing sacred? Scooby-Doo, about to chime in, pauses for a moment when noticing Michael's presence. I am raking her back with a raw A ding can be heard, and stalking over from the elevator off-screen is Paige, a woman in her late 20s who shares a number of facial features with Michael. Paige. Michael, you gotta stop scaring the new tenants. <laughs> you know what Oldman said he was gonna do if he caught you at this again? To the gang. I'm so sorry about this. My younger brother can be a little excitable at times. My name's Paige May, but you can call me Paige. Was he making up a story about there being a ghost? Paige, furring her brow at his eagerness. Well, he didn't make up the ghost stories exactly. Scooby and Shaggy moan with terror. I'm... I'm... I mean, there have been tales of spirits in this building since long before we lived here. Uh, they started sometime in the 1950s, tales of a sinister, ghostly presence that threatened tenants who just didn't belong here. Uh, some say it was some cranky old racist. Others say it was a family that didn't like sharing the laundry room. Either way, the legend has persisted, though I've never personally seen anything. Ghosts seems like a probable and unnecessary embellishment, given that the 1950s aligns with the growing prominence of the Ku Klux Klan, whose local presence rose alongside the emergence of the civil rights movement. Also, the Red Riding Rain under rational routine, or the aristocratic renial of various verses, such as rousing to residents of various areas, particularly race or race. Yeah, that was around the time when redlining came under national scrutiny, or the systematic denial of various services, such as, like, housing, to, res to residents of various areas, particularly based on race. Wow, Scooby. Where did you learn all that? I didn't know you knew how to read. Remembering Michael and Paige. The heavily academic jargon used in many historical texts? Fred, frustrated, interjecting. I'm sure he just heard it on a podcast. Scooby nods, seriously yet vigorously. Now can we get back to the topic of ghosts? Well, like I said, ghost stories have been floating around. Upon hearing the inadvertent play on words, Michael subtly shakes his head vigorously, which Paige notices. She also sees Velma's stern frown. Oh, sorry, <laughs> but Michael and I grew up... <laughs> <laughs> when you... <laughs> Evan, when you wrote laughs, is that not what you had in mind? <laughs> like a, st a stifled belch of a laugh. <laughs> uh, I can't fully I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to get... no, I really like that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but Michael and I grew up here, and I've never come across any ghosts or ghouls. Sure, some other tenants claim to have spotted things, but I think most of uh, most of it is due to someone rattling them up. Fred, Michael. visibly <laughs> excited. Multiple eyewitness sightings has got to mean something, and you know what it we uh, and, and, and you know what that means. Well, gang, it looks like we've got a 
Daphne has been silent for some time, eyes darting from one person to the next, and finally explodes. She addresses each person by violently pointing at them. This is not a ghost, Fred! Fred's face falls. Not a ghost, Scooby and Shaggy! Scooby and Shaggy breathe a sigh of relief. Not a ghost! Michael! Michael cringes away (laughs) shamefully. Paige shrugs. Uh, hey, look, I, I'm really sorry we had to meet this way, but I need to drag my brother back to our place. If there's one thing Oldman hates more than pets, it's unnecessary drama. You should try to meet some of the other residents, though. I promise they're all not like Mike Michael. Paige and Michael head toward the <laughs> elevators, leaving the Gosh. gang outside their respective apartment doors. Daphne, calmly smiling. Now let's see who else lives in Takamoto Place. Scene 7. Interior, exterior, various locations in and around Takamoto Place. The gang meets at at least a dozen different neighbors, with each interaction lasting no more than 15 seconds, including Reed, a moody moody loner in his 50s who slams a door in their faces soon after meeting them, Mitchell, an eccentric with wild eyes who asks Fred if the mystery machine was in his vehicle before snapping that it would look better in red. Billy and Amelia, a younger couple who sneer at the mystery solvers before walking off, muttering about the new kids on the block. Carl, who answers the door covered in feathers, anxiously shushing the faint quacks from within his apartment. (laughs) Conal, who answers the door saying that he just stepped on a non-specific branded plastic construction brick, spending most of the time clutching the doorframe out of agony. Eden, a nice young woman, actually, who offers Scooby a dog treat from a sizable stash from which he almost takes, before a well-placed elbow from Shaggy, who has his eager maw close and emit an affronted, Well, I never. Well, I never. (laughs) The final door is open to reveal the ghost from the cold open. We zoom in on his grisly visage. Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, Scooby-Doo simultaneously. (laughs) Act 2. Scene 8. Interior hallway in Takamoto Palace. (laughs) (laughs) We can change it. We can do a quick find and replace. Act 2. Scene 8. Interior hallway in Takamoto Place. We open up on the same shot of the ghost's horrifying features, the gang still screaming. He menaces them as they slowly back away. He takes one step forward, and they take one step back. Then again. The third time, the ghost looks down, and realizing what's happening, begins chasing them down the hallway. Shaggy, mournfully. I really feel like we could have kept that going. According to Zeno's paradox, if the ghost kept having the distance to us, it would create an infinite number of tasks, thereby preventing it from ever reaching us. The ghost swipes a clawed hand through the air, which the gang barely ducks under. I think we're going to need more than a paradox if this ghost catches us. The end of the hallway has a window, which they find themselves backed up against. Fred holding up a finger in realization. Wait, I have just the gadget for this. I should look back in the... A painful clunking sound can be heard, and the gang look out the window to see the mystery machine making its way downtown, driving fast, wheel locks still firmly in place. While tears form in Fred's eyes as he continues staring out the window, and in Scooby and Shaggy are on their knees begging for their lives, Daphne shakes all three of them while yelling at them to snap out of it. We zoom in on Velma closing her eyes, muttering to herself. Fear is is a psychological construct like any other emotion like sorrow or happiness, and all I want is to just be happy in the city. Is that too much to ask for? 
Velma? Velma opens her eyes. Daphne, shocked. It's gone! We see the entire gang staring down the long, empty stretch of hallway. No sign of the ghost anywhere. Scene 9, interior, Daphne and Velma's apartment. The gang has gathered in the larger space, and we can see that Daphne and Velma have made some headway in unpacking their belongings. It's clear that even with all of their stuff, Daphne is unable to fully furnish and decorate the entire unit. I was right. There is a mystery on our hands. Scooby-Doo licks Fred's palm. Race like radness. Velma whispering. I believe that's dried residue from the tears he was shedding moments earlier. Fred manages to overhear, and we zoom in on his face. Cut to a flashback where we see six-year-old Fred being given the mystery machine by his father, who is like a Charlie Brown adult, can't be seen from the waist up. He reacts in delight and tries to feed the van through the grill with mud as if it's baby food. We then see Fred, 13 years old, running back and forth, laughing and bouncing a ball off the side of the mystery machine. Following that is Fred in a letterman jacket, walking through high school parking lot to see the mystery machine flanked on both sides by grunging-looking cars with tattoo-like decals. He crosses his arms and stares sternly at his van. Finally, we see Fred, now in college, as evidenced by a heavy-looking book bag and hooded sweatshirt emblazoned with the school's logo, pulling open the mystery machine's sliding door and settling into a beanbag chair to study. Cut back to that same close-up on Fred's stricken face. Fred faintly. Mystery machine. Panning back out, we see the rest of the gang surrounding him with concern. So, Fred, buddy, what do you say you get to solving this mystery? Fred interjecting. Machine. Shaggy clearing his throat. <clears throat> solving this mystery. Fred brokenly. Machine. Shaggy frantically. We can't live in a haunted apartment building, man. That's gotta be like some kind of health code violation. I already are aware of this rupid ruin root. Daphne comfortingly. Fred, how about you go grocery shopping with me? At these words, Scooby and Shaggy immediately perk up, their mouths starting to drool a little bit. Scooby and Shaggy, you lie low. I'm not 100% sure that our landlord was convinced by your disguise, even though he did think that Velma was 100 years old. He assumed I was 65 at the very oldest. Pauses. And I'll stick around here as well to make sure these two goofballs don't get into any trouble. Quietly to herself. And reassess my living budget calculations. Scene 10. Exterior, a street not too far from Takamoto Place. Fred and Daphne are walking down the sidewalk, Fred unsuccessfully trying to crudely draw an orange flower on a light green skateboard as they do so. Daphne watching him struggle. I just think it's time for you to let go. You and the mystery machine had some really amazing times together. But where were you even going to put it? Our units don't come with a parking space. Fred finishing up. You're right, and that's why I'm officially commissioning the Mystery Machine 2 TM, a simpler, sleeker form of transportation for an urban environment. Fred, the last time you stepped foot on a skateboard, we had to take six weeks off of mystery solving. Fred places the Mystery Machine 2 on the ground and gingerly steps on it, placing both hands on Daphne's shoulders to steady himself. Daphne doesn't stop walking or talking. And do you remember what happened? We all found the time to find ourselves. Velma was finally able to finish her doctorate. I made a short trip to 27 different countries. And Scooby and Shaggy destroyed every eating competition on the eastern seaboard. As Daphne is talking, Fred begins to lose more and more control atop the skateboard, swerving wildly back and forth. In spite of his erratic and violent motions, Daphne walks on, somehow steady and unmoved. 
Though I suppose it is worth mentioning that this one land developer was able to successfully make millions by dressing up as a Martian and drastically lowering property values, and by the time we heard about the alien, he had run off to Bolivia. As Zafni finishes her thought, the Mystery Machine 2 finally shoots out from under Fred's feet, throwing him flat on his back. Fred groaning. That's a really good point. Michael jogs up behind the two of them, looking down at Fred and then making eye contact with Daphne, who shrugs. My sister said I'm going stir-crazy and kicked me out. Your friends told me you were going shopping, and I can take you to the grocery store most of us go to. Fred, from down on the sidewalk. Sure, be my guest. Fred, Daphne, and Michael continue on to the down the street. We focus on the latter two having a conversation. I really didn't mean to send you guys packing so soon after you moved in, especially since I helped you. I'm just really worried about this ghost. It's been a few decades since it was last sighted, and I don't know what could be making it so angry. Whatever it is, I promise we'll get to the bottom of it right away. At this point, both Daphne and Michael notice that Fred is standing next to a bus stop, a paint roller in each outstretched hand, leaving a strip of light blue and light green paint on an incoming bus. It stops, and the bus driver emerges and begins chasing them down. Well, maybe it'll take a little longer than that. Scene 11. Interior, the foyer of Takamoto Place. Scooby and Shaggy are wandering around, clearly looking for food. A few other tenants pass through to check their mail. I know Daphne told us to keep a low profile, Scoob, but, like, how are we supposed to do that if we don't know where all the hiding spots are? Scooby, eagerly sniffing the air. Well, gotta stay vigilant. The two follow their noses to a door that's clearly marked Landlord's Office. Now, if you think about it, stay with me here. Maybe the best place to avoid Mr. Oldman is the last place he'll think to find us. Rhenius! Sheer Rhenius! Scooby and Shaggy crack open the door to see what looks more like a banquet hall than an office. In the center sits a long, broad table, bedecked in dishes of every kind. A small desk can be seen in the far corner of the room. The two of them gasp with delight. Jenkins Oldman enters from a door by the desk, and Scooby and Shaggy let out a quiet panic noises, quickly closing their door as much as possible while still allowing themselves to peek through. Jenkins Oldman, staring down at his watch... Mid-afternoon, the perfect time to sit down to a traditional Oldman feast. I can't wait to take just only one single bite from each dish, just as my ancestors did before me. Scooby whimpers. <laughs> Jenkins Oldman's hearing. What's that? A dog? Standing up. These tenants know what'll happen if I ever find one of them is, ho- is hiding a- hoarding a pet. <laughs> <laughs> Jenkins Oldman hurries towards the front door of his office. Scooby and Shaggy frantically race away and arrange themselves to look as if they are just entering the building. Oldman exits his office to see them in casual conversation. Can you say that he is exciting his office there? (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to make sense when the office is all juiced up for the next scene. (laughs) Oh, so like, when you said we should get some chips, you meant fries. Naturally. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's a really hard word to say. <clears throat> this is tough. <laughs> Naturally, Rimley Rice Fried Rodeos would be called Risps. You too. Have you seen a dog anywhere in this building? I will not abide animals in this establishment. At his outburst, the other building tenants allow Scooby and Shaggy to be the sacrificial lambs as they avoid eye contact with their landlord and escape to the elevator. Scooby-Doo affronted. A dog? I do reveal in a distinct reparation between Ran and Rist. I do hope that continues. 
Russian. So good. Snooty British sounds of disgust. Ah, um, yes, yes, that that is my policy, and I do enforce it. Animals in a rubber rat. Yeah, like you can't have animals in a proper flat. Louder, snooty, snotty. (laughs) Snooty. Snooty. Louder, snooty British sounds of disgust. Dogs and people together in the same space. Scooby Doo, even louder sounds of snooty British disgust. (laughs) With each vocalization of his revulsion, Scooby and Shaggy step closer to Old Man, who begins shrinking back. Uh, Don't you worry, I'll find that dog if it's the last thing I do. He runs off toward the elevators. (laughs) The foyer empty, the two enter the landlord's office and fall upon the spread like an entire pack of ravenous hyenas. Shaggy taking the vegetarian dishes while Scooby eats everything else. Unbeknownst to them, the ghost appears, standing over and looking down at them. Scooby notices as he ravages a pot roast with his canine jaws. Scooby haughtily clears his throat with a... and daintily brushes the food from his face with a napkin. He picks up a fork and knife and cuts himself a small morsel, placing it into his mouth with a pinky extended. Scooby takes the most... Minute of sips from a glass before haughtily clearing his throat yet again. <laughs> Ghost! Shaggy, finally noticing. He leaks! <laughs> Scene 12. Interior, Daphne and Velma's apartment. Velma is sitting at a desk in the living room, the luxury of Daphne's half of the room clearly visible. In one hand, she holds her cell phone to her ear, and in the other, she alternates between a scientific calculator, her computer keyboard, which sits in front of two monitors showing spreadsheets, and an abacus. 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 (laughs) 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 No, no. She's right. (laughs) It's it's an abacus? My neck, my abacus. Oh uh, yeah, you can try that one. Wait, how do you say it? Abacus. Abacus. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you think of it, just think of that um, song. Um, uh, <laughs> I was taking Mama and Mia by you know Abacus. <laughs> I was taking a standardized test um, yeah. when I was in uh, I don't know, like sixth grade or something, and it said Adams. And I was reading it out loud because I, I need to do that to mm. understand something. And I was reading it atoms. And A-toms. my mom just cracked up laughing. I'm taking this serious, hardcore test. And she yeah. just can keep it together. Atoms. Atoms. Okay. You're here for your PhD dissertation? <laughs> about <laughs> about A- atoms. Atoms and ab- abacus. Abacus. <laughs> Counting atoms with an abacus. Well, how do you say it? I'm going to mess it up. Abacus. Abacus. Okay. Abacus. Yeah. Um... This makes or breaks the the whole thing. (laughs) Velma is sitting at the desk in the living room, the luxury of Daphne's half of the room clearly visible. You can also just say Abacus and I'll throw it in at the end. Abacus. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying is that lentils have been shown to be a highly nutritious food, high in minerals, protein, and fiber. Cut to Daphne standing in a grocery store with Fred and Michael in the background. She's holding her cell phone up to one ear, the other on a shopping cart handle. Fred is motioning to another cart clearly intended for um, to be the new mystery machine, too. Michael appears unconvinced. Daphne, drawing her finger down the aisle of canned goods. You know me, Velma. I'm always open to new experiences. Stopping at a particular can. 
And ooh, what's this? Lentils from Les Pouillens-Velais in France? Farmed in the rich volcanic soil of the Auvergne region. This, these sound amazing. Cut back to Velma frantically Googling. The screen that shows Pouilly lentils are the most expensive available <laughs> variety. She reacts in shock. Velma forcing cheeriness. But have you considered maybe springing for the humble black lentil? I've heard that in the world of fashion, black is always considered in. Cut to. Daphne holds a hand to her forehead in surprise. That reminds me, I don't think either of us has very many kitchen items, and I can't believe it, but this supermarket actually sells the Black Label Utensil set. I'll send you a link and pick one up. We are going to have the best apartment together. Daphne's thumbs fly across the screen of her phone, and a notification sound can be heard. Cut back to Velma staring <laughs> down at her phone, completely frozen with terror. Velma calmly. Sorry, Daphne. I have another call to make. I'll talk to you when you guys get back. Velma casually hangs up before stoically doing a quick search on her computer. She dials a number and raises the phone to her ear once more. Hi there. I was just inquiring about your rates for the donation of blood, plasma, eggs, and... Tugging at her hair. If you know what the minimum length is before you can accept hair. Pause. Yes, I'll hold. Cut to Daphne is staring down at her old... Uh, cut to. Daphne staring down at her old phone screen. <laughs> she did upgrade right before this. It's okay. But let's say... Cut, <laughs> cut to. Daphne staring down at her own phone screen, perplexed at just how abruptly their call ended. She shrugs and grabs a black label utensil set, placing it in her cart. Looking around, she can't see either Michael or Fred. Michael? Fred? Where did you guys go? To herself. That's so weird. They were just here. Turning, Daphne sees Fred racing down the aisle toward her, one foot on the back of the shopping cart from earlier, the other propelling himself forward. Run, Daphne! Daphne, confused. What is it, Fred? Is there a sale somewhere? You know I take a lot of pride in finding the best deals. The ghost peeks its gruesome mug around the corner before racing maniacally at them. We do a close-up on Daphne's face as she shrieks. Scene 13. Interior, Daphne and Velma's apartment. Velma shakily puts down her phone, a bundle of nerves. Over her shoulder, the ghost can be seen stealthily opening the door to the apartment. She stands up and turns around, but right before she might see the ghost, it darts into the kitchen. Velma takes a few steps toward the kitchen and removes her glasses with shaking fingers. She tries to clean them with her sweater, but ends up dropping them. At the same time, the ghost, peering over the counter, spots the opportunity and silently creeps over only to trip on one of Daphne's many belongings, dropping something of its own onto the floor. The two find themselves on their hands and knees simultaneously, with Velma's glasses and the ghost's hideous face side by side on the carpet, each further away from its owner than the other. As the ghost is taller, the camera cuts off from the shoulders up. Velma mumbling. My glasses. I can't see without my glasses. Hearing the ghost crawling closer. Scooby, is that you? Velma touches the ghost's face on the floor and recoils in disgust before gingerly picking it up. We can see the ghost reacting in panic due to its hand suddenly tensing. Scooby, what have we told you about bringing in whatever detritus you've collected outside? The ghost picks up her glasses and moves back and forth on its hand and knees like a dog. I'll tell you what, Scooby. You give me back my glasses and I'll give you whatever this is. Velma and the ghost exchange items, placing them over their own faces as they stand up. 
Velma finds herself directly in front of the ghost, which looms over her and raises its arms menacingly. Kinkies! Scene 14. Interior, the foyer of to- Takamoto Palace. Looking down at the foyer, <laughs> we can... <laughs> I'm glad we're just rolling with it now. Did I say that? <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> I, when you said I'm like, is it a joke? Nope, she's not playing it I like will a do joke. that again. Scene 14, interior, the foyer of Takamoto Place. Looking down at the foyer, we can see Fred and Daphne storm through the front doors, with Daphne surprisingly carrying a bag of groceries. They nearly collide with Velma, who staggers out of the elevator, winded. There was a g- g- ghost in the supermarket. Velma gasps. Our apartment. Through labor breathing. So big, could still be hiding anywhere. But wait, how could the ghost be here when we just saw it outside? At the same moment, the doors marked Landlord's office burst open, Scooby and Shaggy trying in vain to pull the banquet table with them. Come on, Scoob! I think we've almost got it out! Scooby slumps across the surface of the table they've been able to extract from Jenkins Oldman Jenkins Oldman's office, looking all the world like a door floating on an icy Arctic ocean. Matt Mulhan's cover of My Heart Will Go On, please. Luke, do you know what that is? Uh, no. It's like the really bad recorder version that they use in memes and stuff. Oh, I know that one now. <laughs> but I'm so hungry, Raggy. In his exhaustion, Shaggy has fallen to the floor, but he clasps one of Scooby's paws in both of his human hands. Listen to me, Scoob. You have to promise me you'll eat it all. That you'll never give up, no matter what happens. Scooby, somberly. I promise. Never let go. I promise. I'll never let go, Raggy. I'll never let go. We pull back to see that Fred, Daphne, and Velma are all standing just off to the side, watching this all play out. Velma politely clears her throat. <clears throat> uh, guys? Velma! Red! Raphne! Scooby and Shaggy brush themselves off and stand alongside their companions. We were just minding our own business and we saw this lonely little feast and... And you saw a ghost! And, like, tried to protect it from its clutches and... He notices the lone grocery bag. Is that all the food you brought, Daphne? How could you? We rusted you. Guys, focus. As much as I hate to admit and tried to ignore it, we've got a... Velma, Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby seeing the ghost creep up behind Daphne. Run away! Run away. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> 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 Scene 15. Interior, the foyer of Takamoto Place. The ghost lunges at the gang with arms outstretched. It ends up chasing them into a narrow hallway lined with doors. They all enter one, the ghost right on their heels, and it slams shut behind them. What ensues is a classic Scooby-Doo corridor gag, with different members of the gang impossibly emerging from different doors. At first, the ghost is chasing the gang, then vice versa. A racket can be heard at each entrance, including a TV, a vacuum cleaner, angry cat noises, Notably, at one point, two ghosts emerge from different doors, stare at each other in shock momentarily, and then re-enter to their respective portals. Jenkins' old man pokes his head out at one time when no one else is present. You know the rules. No pets and absolutely no running through the corridors. He then retreats, at which point the chase scene commences anew, but with each party tiptoeing back and forth between the doors. The segment ends with a camera coming up behind the ghost's shoulder, as it appears to have been trapped. The gang behind, as it appears to have trapped the gang behind a, lo- a door labeled "laundry room." 
The ghost barges in only to find the gang with arms crossed, toes tapping, and angrily expecting it. It pauses. There he is! The ghost's expression is one of shock and uncertainty. Velma opens up a washing machine and holds up a spooky pale jacket. I assume this belongs to you? Daphne dismissively. Ugh, who else's could it be? Now look, I know you think you can just go around scaring all the residents of this apartment, but what you can't do is take up so many machines at the same time. Or take out someone else's laundry and put your stuff in. The ghost appears chagrined at the accusations. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to maintain the fabric integrity of a deep V? Or all the delicate cycle needed to treat a merino wool turtleneck? We all wear roads that need rushing. <laughs> that gets me. Daphne, viciously pointing. Now listen, mister, you are going to take out all of your things, and you are going to do a load for each of us, and we are not going to tell Mr. Oldman about this breach in laundry room etiquette. Do I make myself clear? The ghost embarrassingly begins taking various spectral vestments out of the washing machine and begins doing a load. The gang, tax- the gang takes advantage of the situation and quietly sneaks out, shutting the door behind them. Daphne, opening the door and peeking her head back in. Oh, and I actually prefer to hand wash my delicates, so if you could not put them in with the, uh... The ghost lifts its head and growls, the realization dawning that the gang has essentially Tom Sawyered it into doing their bidding. It growls and turns around, at which point Daphne screams and slams the door. <laughs> Daphne muffled through the door. Guys, wait for me! Act 3, Scene 16. Interior, Daphne and Velma's apartment. Fred creates a rather impressive barricade against the front door, depositing 220 pounds of Daphne's belonging against it at a time. Velma neurotically scans the internet for any kind of background on the ghost, while Daphne berates Scooby and Shaggy and tells them to stop trying to eat her beauty products. Shaggy, to no one in particular. I can't believe I'm saying this, but does anyone else think we should, like, split up and look for clues? Daphne, brightening. Velma, you always have a hunch that something's not quite right. How close are you to figuring out this mystery? Velma, clearly distraught. The only thing I'm close to is a complete and total mental breakdown. I've been wrecked with anxiety. Fred, talking over Velma, who continues. Do you know what would have been a more effective way of barricading this door gang? Simply stepping behind the wheel of a beautiful Ford Daphne, talking over Fred, who continues. All I ever wanted is to be a good roommate. I finally had the chance to... Shaggy, talking over Daphne, who continues. Like, I know I mentioned that my vintage fridge is just empty, but our actual refrigerator and our actual kitchen is completely bare. Scooby, loudly talking over Shaggy, Daphne, Fred, and Velma. And I have to masquerade as a disgusting Roman man. It's exhausting and replicated, and I just want to be a dog. Scooby slumps dejectedly onto the carpet, whining, his paws under his chin. <laughs> After his outburst, the entire apartment goes silent. Velma quietly. Thank you for telling me how you feel, Daph. I never would have assumed that your drive for excess and extravagance was directly meant to benefit me. Velma falters, Daphne smiling. My best friend. And Fred, I miss Mr. Machine too, buddy. I always felt safe sitting in the back, even when you were driving us toward a deserted chemical factory. Velma, side-eyeing Subi and Shaggy. It had an appropriate number of seat belts, even if some people never wore them. It was a Rhine Randwich Laboratory. Fred, smiling sadly. It was a fine sandwich laboratory, wasn't it? Pausing for a second. I'm sorry, everyone.
to Scoob and Shag for not being more on top of stalking the kitchen, but to everyone for bringing us here and then moping about my babe, uh, the mystery machine. You've really been patient with me, and that means a lot. Fred stares at his friends with gratitude and admiration. Fred with renewed confidence. Now look, gang, I think I have a plan. Scene 17, interior, the hallway that bridges the space between Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby and Daphne and Velma's respective apartments. Scooby and Shaggy are innocently loitering, not doing much of anything at all. So, like, how about that weather, huh? Scooby mumbling. Reason rare, it's reason rare, it's reason rare, it's reason rare, it's reason Shaggy sharply. Scoob, could you maybe write out our grocery list some other time? Sorry, Raggy. <laughs> At that point, the ghost appears. Zoinks! Make a run for it, Scoob! Scooby and Shaggy book it into Velma and Daphne's apartment, the ghost right behind them. As soon as Scooby and Shaggy run past, Velma, who is crouching right off to the side of the doorway, pours a sizable amount of Pui lentils onto the floor. Velma, whispering to herself, Don't think about cost, don't think about the cost, don't think about the cost. The ghost slips on the uneven surface by the lentils, falling loudly to the ground in a heap of limbs. Looking at, looking it, oh, looking it up, Looking oh, up. Sorry, just looking up. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> Let me Google this. Hey, no, I'll, I'll read or write. Read or write. <laughs> looking it up. Exciting it. Looking up, it sees the Scooby. Looking up, it sees that Scooby, Shaggy, and Velma are all escaping and running over to Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby's apartment. <laughs> we focus on the ghost as it brushes itself off, shakily getting into. <laughs> Guys! I'm just fixing Luke's. <laughs> I thought we were looking it uh, up. <laughs> Dude, get, guys, the listeners are going to lick this up. <laughs> looking up, it sees that Scooby, Shaggy, and Velma are all escaping and running over to Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby's apartment. We focus on the ghost as it brushes itself off, shakily getting to its knees and unleashing a monstrous cry. The ghost enters the apartment only to look down and find itself standing atop the skateboard version of the Mystery Machine 2. Its momentum causes it to slide forward, picking up speed, and causing it to crash violently into a pile of boxes. We see the world through the ghost's shaky eyes, and staring up from the ground, a number of faces form above it, all appearing to belong to Jenkins' old men. You know the rules. No horseplay or roughhousing in my apartment building. You've broken your lease and may no longer live in Takamoto Place. I'm old and curmudgeonly, but maybe, just maybe, it's to hide a great loss I experienced in the past, and one I can share if only someone would really get to know me. In a state of panic and blindly trying to escape, the ghost runs the front of the door and opens it, flinging itself through. We zoom out to see that it has instead entered a fridge rolled across the entrance entrance which itself looks like an apartment door the fridge begins to rock back and forth muffled thumping can be heard from the inside scene 18 interior fred shaggy and scooby's apartment jenkins oldman and an unnamed security guard are kindly escorted into the apartment by daphne where the rest of the gang waits next to the same fridge now open within which rests the ghost sitting on the appliances floor with its arms tied firmly to its sides yeah. Who is this pale gentleman? Uh, this is the ghost we've been telling you about, Mr. Oldman. The one who's been terrifying all of your tenants. And we're sure you'll recognize him too, because the costumed creep is... Fred pulled off the ghost mask to reveal someone the gang has never seen before. Jenkins Oldman shocked. <gasps> 
Mary Colton Johnson. It couldn't be. Shaggy to Fred. I have, like, no idea who this guy is. But how could you, Shaggy? After all, a lot of the people live in this building, and the, easiest que- and the easier question would be which one of our neighbors wasn't one of the ghosts haunting this apartment. Jenkins Oldman, confused. But I don't understand. The gang opens up various other fridges around the apartment to reveal that they each hold their own tied-up ghost, and each is unmasked. Reed? Mitchell? Billy? Amelia and Carly? Oh, Canal and Eden, what's going on here? Why would you all do this? It's simple, really. One of the first reminders you gave us when we moved in was... A grainy flashback to the gang on the curb in front of Takamoto Place. Under no circumstances does Takamoto Place accommodate pets. This was a strict edict, but it soon became clear to me that in spite of your ruling, several tenants did in fact own animals. A grainy flashback to the feathers on Carl's clothing and the faint quacks from within his apartment. Eden's sizable stash of dog treats, a covered bird crate that one person snuck by while Scooby, Shaggy, while Scooby and Shaggy were creeping out outside Oldman's office, and the sound of an angry cat inside the corridor chasing. It was the ghost appearing in several places simultaneously. While she's talking, we flash back to the ghost scaring Scooby and Shaggy in Oldman's office, sneaking into the apartment as Velma's doing her calculations, and chasing Fred and Daphne in the grocery store. That allowed me to put two and two together and posit that some sort of pet owners association had been formed by several tenants, with the express purpose of scaring away those parties that might either raise your suspicions or otherwise reveal their secret. All unmasked ghosts in unison. And we would would have gone gone away away with it too if it weren't for you meddling young people and your snooty British companion. The unnamed security guard rounds up and begins escorting out the conga line of unmasked ghosts. Jenkins Oldman, watching somberly. To lord land with an iron fist is to reap rebellion. Look what my tenant's agreement hath wrought. To Velma, who frowns. Ma'am, I just can't express how grateful I am to you and your friends for uncovering these troublemakers. It's also revealed to me that maybe some of my rules may have been too strict. And maybe it's time to loosen them. To Scooby. And sir, I do hope that this doesn't affect your opinion of this great nation of America. Michael sticks his head through the front door. Whoa, is that a whirlpool of Marxy Danielewski's fridge of leaves? Scooby and Shaggy beam. Paige appears behind her brother. Paige. I'm so sorry about earlier. I know I know. I sent Michael to help you out, but I uh, needed him to rush back and sign for some stupid kitchen appliance. Seeing the mass of fridges. Sweet mother of mercy. Michael, Paige, would you please inform the other tenants you see that effective immediately, I will be lifting the ban on pets in Takamoto Place. To Velma. And ma'am, my eyes aren't what they used to be, but... I always had my suspicions about that one. He motions toward Shaggy. Absolutely horrible breath. (laughs) (laughs) Shaggy Shaggy shrugs and Scooby giggles. Velma rolls her eyes. Zooming out, we can see Daphne laughing with Paige at the doorway. We see that Fred is watching all of this play out like a proud father. And when he hears the grim clunk of the mystery machine begin anew, he simply smiles ruefully and sighs. Fade out. Scene 19. 
Interior, dark room. Text scrawl. A very important message from Shaggy and Scooby. Lights draw up on Shaggy and Scooby, who look somberly down the barrel of the camera. Remember, Riz, it's not okay to rock people in or to play around with refrigerators. Refrigerators are dangerous and will lead to reformation if you read them like Royce. Text crawl. The more you know. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping with this. It would not have been anywhere near as good. It's so much better with no. It's so much better with a different. I told every time ahead of time, not as an insult to you, but just having a different voice for the narration. Yeah, so that we're not just cutting back and forth and doing all of like our own. Oh, my pleasure. It's a super good script, Evan. Way to go. It really is. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. And Luke really helped a lot. I I threw in a little help here and there, but it really is mostly your your brainchild. I think this is my favorite Scooby Doo episode ever. (laughs) Oh wow. (laughs) Luke genuinely. The the bit about the landlord like regretting his decision, I was like laughing when I wrote it. <laughs> about him like <laughs> when you're like, to to Lord Land. You the one edit I did, like my edits were more of the part where you wrote to landlord without and I was like, let me change that to Lord Land without <laughs> To Lord Land with an iron fist. As I read that, that got several parts of this got a laugh out of me during reading, and it just came back up again while, yeah, coming through it again. And I didn't even know you were going to be using that voice. (laughs) It worked out well for that. Oh, man. I'm so, so pleased with both, Evan, your Scooby and your Velma Mm -hmm. were both dynamite. Thank you very much. My 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 Velma, I think, evolved as it went on. Yeah. Because I I realized that if you want to do... um, like a, a Linda Cardellini Velma, mm. you need to enunciate all of your words. Very clear enunciation is a big trick. I I realized partway through that Velma, uh, excuse me, Daphne and Fred are tough for me to do. They're similar in that they're quick, upbeat, upward inflection, high voices. Fred also, Frank Welker in an interview said his take on Fred is himself with five cups of coffee. <laughs> oh, interesting. Which is like, well, I can't talk faster and higher than Fred to get to Daphne. Mm. So those two probably ran together a bit, but I'm very happy with it. Great job all around. Thank you guys for including me in your first ever episode. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, and, and again, this is your last episode, right? You guys aren't going to keep doing this in secret without me. Right. Yeah, we're definitely not going to do that. No. Um, Evan, I sent you a calendar invite for something else. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And Empty Sam, your your hands behind your back and a couple of your fingers are twisted. Do you want me to help with that? That looks a little No. No. <laughs> You're good. Okay, so um just to be clear, this is a second secret podcast that we're doing. The first one was kind of like a ruse that Luke would have found out sooner or later. Mm-hmm. A fake out episode. Um, yeah, no, we're going to continue this podcast, just me and Evan, uh, moving forward. Um, Luke won't be on any of them, so don't worry about that, listeners, if you were concerned. Uh, we just needed to make sure his feelings didn't get hurt. Sam! Shoot, he's calling me again. Sam! Okay, hi- hide my window, hide my window. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna minimize. Oh, it's not minimizing. I'm coming out. No, to, no, to no, 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 no! Don't come right, out. I'm gonna wait around the corner. Okay, just hang tight. All right. Oh shoot, my computer's freezing out. How many cardboard tubes do you guys have? <laughs> I think one of the cardboard tubes fell out of the chain. We, we go through a lot of paper towels. It's, I'm gonna come out. All right. I bet no. you go through a lot of paper towels. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
I'm gonna come out. I'm very sensitive. Don't tell any jokes about how many paper towels I use. I'm feeling really sensitive about that right now. <laughs> okay, empty Sam. Hey. Hey. Hey, does this look hey, weird? Do, I, do my pants look bulky? Um, I'm doing... I ran out of undies, so these are just paper towels instead. <laughs> I'm just mashed down there. I just kept shoving paper towels down. You've mashed them into I've underwear. mashed them. <laughs> yeah. I put paper towels in Luke, a mortar and you pestle. you don't have to mash them. You can just layer them. Hey, who was that? Hey, Evan. Hey, I heard that. <laughs> Evan. Empty hey, Sam, you draped a, car, a blanket over the computer screen. Um, I, I want to make it more. I'm sorry. Just a softer look. In I the just room. care about the environment, and it really offends me that Luke is layering paper towel. Not layering I, paper towels. Okay. He's bunching them instead. He's mashing I, them. Virtue signal received. Transmitting loud and clear. Thank you, sir. But as I'll, I'll have you know that these are recyclable. It start. It's first. It's underwear. Then I recycle it into a diaper without even changing it. <laughs> Uh, but I let's not get I won't let you guys get me off topic no. what are you doing chatting again you told me that last chat was like a one off recording or something are you guys doing this isn't a secret recording is it this, this is just no, like an outro no. for the episode right no, no, no definitely not no okay well I can chill too then right mm, just sit down here um, no you ugh, ugh, Luke ugh. You're, Luke, you're, you're smelling a little your, strong Your, right your paper now. towel has just Sorry, burst it's open to like, settle, a ripe, it's... like a ripe peach. <laughs> Hang on. Let me just... If I just sit on uh, it a little different. Oh, that's gotta be oh. so dry. <laughs> it's, it's weirdly both too dry and too wet at the same time. Okay. How is that possible? Okay, I can feel it's... This is the part that's stinky. Luke, go put, I'll that, remove that. put that in the trash at least. Don't leave it on okay, the Okay, I'll throw it in the living room trash. There, no. boom. There uh. it is. Okay, done. Why would, you, why would you ever want to do something without me, Empty Sam? I make everything better. 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 <laughs> I, make, I make the things better. I don't know if you should include that. I don't know. <laughs> hey, you guys. Guys, can you cut me out? Don't include me in your... Pre- I changed my mind. I don't want to be included. Please cut me out of this project. That was Scooby Dudes. Oh, no. Dudes. You're going to cut me out, right? Thanks for listening. Um, can, can I at least... Pre- have a good New Year. I, You're totally and, doing the outro for both of us. Um, <laughs> take care. Say hi to your families for us. Hope wow. everyone's doing well. Um... I don't. How do you do outros other than just saying goodbye to people? Normally we plug stuff, stuff, but this is kind of a the final. This is the coda of Scooby Dudes. Well, so what, what we just sort of um, presented to you, dear listeners, is the long-awaited extra special episode uh, mm-hmm. that we promised last year. That's right. It took a year in the tank. Of course, you know it's it's aged well. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Do I get a cut of your guys' Patreon for being on this? <laughs> we don't get a we cut of our Patreon. To, yeah, we stopped taking yeah, donations a while You can have ago. a 100% cut of our Patreon if you like. <laughs> uh, I, I just wanted to really just thank all of you listeners for sticking with us, um, for enjoying our content, for letting us know that you like it. It has genuinely meant the world to me. It has for me too. It's been all the more fun dancing on this stage knowing there is a few special people out there watching. And it, Evan, it's been a delight dancing with you. Ipti Sam, thanks for joining us for this last little shuffle. Um, it, Why are we dancing on a it stage? Is, I, I, I did the metaphor. Now we're in the metaphor. <laughs> thank, you for the, uh, thank you for the metaphorical dollar bills that your Patreon donations uh, flung our okay. way. Wow. Well, uh, one thing I wanted to say before we go, I thank you all for keeping the love for Scooby-Doo alive by listening to this and supporting Scooby-Doo art. 
Um, I hope there's always Scooby-Doo until the heat death of the universe. So keep that going, listeners. Good on you. Keep it going. Sorry, one, one sec. I need to... You're opening up a something. separate hangout window, and Ify Sam, you're getting another call. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> do, do. Uh, so um, I'm just going to say this because I'm going to email the guy, and because you know, I know you have time to edit. Um, I found like a, an actual Scooby-Doo remix that you could underlay during the actual intro. Okay. But I'm just going to email this guy and say that, it, ask if we can use it. Perfect. Um, I can fit that in if there's time. So I'm just going to say here, uh, you can cut this if out. If we maybe, don't use um, it, then we'll cut the plug. So uh, that theme song that you actually heard during um, that little cold open opening credits sort of sequence, um, that is the Scooby-Doo theme song remix produced by someone named Attic Stein. Uh, and there's a link to that SoundCloud. Um, there's also, and and also if you want to, uh, if you actually want to check out that um, that video for uh, "My Heart Will Go On" by Matt Mulholland, uh, we use that as well. Are we gonna plug that in there? Uh, there's a link to that too. Thank you to both of those people for helping with our project. Um, and and that's it. Uh, all of our social media is still up. I just don't really update it anymore. I will say, and this is news to you luke um i have like a writer duet subscription oh nice which is the screenwriting uh software we've been using little plug here that they're not paying us for because it's actually really intuitive and good it was very useful very quick um one of my resolutions for 2020 is to write a scooby-doo screenplay every single month wow this is news Uh to me and what I would like to do is I would like to upload those screenplays to our website. So ScoobyDudes.com, our website, is a place you can find show notes for this episode. And going into 2020, a place to read um, just uh, little these little documents I put together. I'm going to put in like a comment section. Anyway, it'll be like a neat thing. Um, like we've said... We might do this again, but not with any kind of regularity at all. It's not, not uh, no firm plans anywhere, but let us know what you think. Like, hey, feedback is never a bad thing if it's positive and constructive. Uh, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> th- we're, this is coming out before the end of 2019. Please have, uh, have a great 2020. Yeah, enjoy that big, hey, it should be perfect, like perfect vision 2020. Let's end on that that was it. That was perfect. That's for that to be the final moment of Scooby Dudes officially. Oh, Evan. <laughs> Evan, it's like you're doing like facial animations for being stabbed with different types of knives. <laughs> like this is what a cutco feels like, and this is what a machete feels like. And this is just like a little kitchen knife, butter knife, bread knife. <laughs> Um, yeah, we can end on that horrible note if you want us to. <laughs> we cannot. Please, no. Anything before that, uh, what I want to end on is, Evan, of course I love you. We all know that. I say it every episode. Ifty Sam, I love you too. Oh, thanks. And you, towards me, feel what? <laughs> what is it you feel? Cuts. Cuts. <laughs> Cuts. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. Okay, okay stop, stop, stop. <laughs>